Hi, I'm Alex L., and I write books for a living. The Hey Girl podcast was created with sisterhood and storytelling in mind. Hey girl. Hey girl. Hey girl. Hey girl. Join us as we journey through sharing together. Hey girl. Hey girl. Hi LaToya. How are you today? Good. Hanging in there. Join the Georgia rain today. Oh, I'm glad you're hanging in there and that you get some rainfall. I love the rain. So yes. that's pretty cleansing and awesome energy if we're inside, right? It gives you an excuse to kind of slow down a little, right? You know? Yeah, totally. Totally. So before we dive into our chat and learn a little more about you and your mission and your brand, can you please let the Hey Girl listeners know who you are and what you do? Yeah, so my name's Latoya Tusaroni. I'm the founder of Sustainable Home Goods. We are a fair trade and ethically sourced home decor brand here in Atlanta, Georgia. Started the business in 2017, just really hustling on you know, Facebook and doing festivals, but we've been blessed to really grow. And so we just opened up our first flagship store about three weeks ago. So it's really, really exciting to see the growth happen. And we have the best customers in the world, which you're one of, Alex. Am I allowed to say that? Yeah, it's just been a really cool journey. So where did you begin? Like, how did the start and love of home goods, especially from a sustainable lens and a fair trade lens, capture your heart? I mean, 2017 was only a few years ago, so you're still kind of new into this space. So where were you before and, and how did you get to where you are today? Right. Yeah, it's been a long circular <laughs> um, a journey, but I would say it really started when I was a kid and just a love for the world and a love for culture. Like I think my parents did a really good job of just exposing us to, yeah, to the world, whether it was through music and books and art. And so I just always grew up with this like innate just appreciation and curiosity about the world. So when I was in high school, I was the really cool kid who was the president of the international club. So I was like, yeah, I was rocking it in high school, but that has always been my heart is the world and how to bring us all together. But it wasn't until college that I was able to travel to South Africa and spent a month like immersed there. And that's when I really started to fall in love with traveling. And then I was lucky enough to marry an amazing man who also has a passion for travel. And between the two of us, yeah, we've just traveled all over the world. And in those journeys, you know, you walk away from some places seeing this dichotomy, right? Like mm-hmm. the beauty of the culture, but also people living in object poverty. And so you walk away kind of with this sense of, wow, this is so amazing, but yet also seeing the reality of what's going on. And we've both kind of come from the nonprofit sector. So we've seen a lot of what aid looks like in marginalized communities. And we've seen the good and a lot of the bad of aid. And my husband and I both thinking, okay, there has to be a better way of empowering 
communities, but we weren't really sure what that was. And so fast forward to around 2015, I get introduced to this fair trade jewelry company called Noonday Collection and just immediately fall in love with their mission. And for the first time, I saw a model of using business as a means of bringing financial stability and empowerment to vulnerable communities. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I was like, yeah, because I was like, it's not about aid. It's not about like poor you or this is what I have to offer you. Now you have this dignified symbiotic relationship that to me is more honoring to everyone involved and ultimately is more sustainable for everyone involved. Mm -hmm. And so I worked for Noonday for a couple of years and I was like, I love jewelry, but home decor is just more my jam. It's just like what I love when people come to my house, they always just talk about how warm it is. And so just really sitting with what does it look like to create space a beautiful space for people? What does it look like to bring stories into your home? You know, it's like my home is decorated with pieces that are meaningful, that have stories. But as a consumer, when I looked at the market, I was like, there's just, there aren't any places I can go to shop where, you know, I can bring those stories and that meaning into my home, you know, ethical fashion and jewelry has really taken off. But as far as home decor, I was like, there's not really that many options. And this is the space that we spend for a lot of us the most time in, but yet we're so disconnected to the products and the things that we're bringing into our spaces. Mm. And so I saw that opening within the market and also knowing my natural passion too for like home decor and creating space for people. It just seemed like a natural fit. And then obviously philosophically kind of falling in line with where I saw my role in helping to alleviate or be a part of ending world poverty in a way that's dignifying. So Mm -hmm. that's kind of, yeah, how this whole thing got started. And yeah, that's the, and here we are. (laughs) It just sounds so intentional, which I really love. And just, you know, as a customer, as an outsider, looking in and buying from you, I mean, the care that y'all put into sending everything, the stories that you tell via your website about the objects folks are getting. And I'm a big fan of like the little video snippets that you had on your website, I guess, of your travels and like getting to see some of the artisans at work, you know, and in their space. It just makes the shopping experience from a consumer standpoint exciting and also informed. That's awesome. Exactly. (laughs) Um, So that's good. Yeah, there's so much intentionality between every single product we bring in. And people are always amazed when I walk them through the store. They're like, you know, every single product here, like, you know, every single story. And I'm like, yeah, because we're not just buying things for trend. We're not just buying things, period. Like everything is intentional. Everything has a story. Everything Mm. is connected to good in the world because 
that's what we all want in our spaces. Like, I don't know anybody who's like, oh, I just want a, you know, a meaningless space that's just stuff. So yeah, so much intentionality. I mean, even in the tissue paper that we use in the girl, like we have an image of a strong black woman as our logo. And even that's intentional. And in her hair, it says support fair trade, support minority owned businesses, empower women. Like, yeah, like every little thing as much as possible is just really curated to give people an experience and to just give them an opportunity to shop in a meaningful way. Like our time and our money is so precious. And I think COVID's really shown us that. And so I just wanted to create a platform where people could know like your money is going to something really good. And when you spend time with us in our store or shopping online, like it's well spent. Let's talk a little bit about this new storefront that you just opened up. And I must say, super brave of you to open up during a global pandemic, having a brick and mortar and, you know, not necessarily, you know, just doing online. So let's talk about that exciting, but I'm sure kind of scary journey and also the community aspect of having a brick and mortar and having foot traffic and having people come in to touch, feel, and see everything that you're offering. You are so right. It is super scary having um, a brick and mortar. But at the same time, Alex, you know, like it was really exciting for us because I've always wholeheartedly believed that we are the future of retail, you know, and the sense of people want to be more connected to the products that they bring into their home. And so in that sense, I I stepped confidently into this, you know, into this realm because I was like, I want to create an experience for people within the store that they can't get anywhere else. And the fact that we can literally walk you through the store and tell you where something was made. And in a lot of instances, even tell you how it was made. We've got little video screens that kind of give you an inside window into the process. Like how do they weave? Like we have these Ethiopian towels that are made without a single watt of electricity. And so getting to see that process pretty much from beginning to end from them like harvesting the cotton, washing it, separating it and weaving it. And so, yeah, just trying to really give people a window into how our products are made. But then, you know, we have such amazing conversations with our customers. Like I'm not even like trying to blow smoke when I say we have the best customers. So being able to really connect with our customers and because of our platform, we get to have really meaningful conversations with our customers too. So you just get more, like I wouldn't walk into anthropology trying to have like a deep conversation about any thing with anyone that's just not that experience like I go in there to buy stuff like Mm. I need a mug I'm just gonna go get a mug so we really do just give people a relational experience an educational experience a very tactile we love when people touch 
the pieces and they're just like, how is this made? Like we want to approach the world from a place of celebration. Mm. Like this is amazing. Look how talented people are. Instead of approaching vulnerable communities from the perspective of, oh, poor them. We must help them. We must do good. It's like, no, these folks are freaking talented and it's an honor that you get to bring one of their pieces into your home like that's amazing so we're just trying to really step boldly into our mission and what we have to offer because I really think it's what people want so Mm, I love that I love it so much. And it really shows how important community is. I mean, your whole entire business from start to finish. So with that said, I definitely want to direct this conversation towards self-care because that's so (laughs) pivotal, right? What is self-care teaching you about community care, especially Mm -hmm. as you link it, right? With your business in motherhood. I saw that you're a mother of four. Do I have that correct? You have that correct. I'm a mother of three. So I get it. (laughs) Yes, it is always a turn up. (laughs) So let's talk a little bit about self-care as community care in relationship to business and then in relationship to your personal life. I mean, that's such an important conversation. And I think it's everything, right? Like Mm -hmm. oftentimes we approach self-care as like a suggestion. Oh, that would be nice if I could take care of myself. But I've learned as being an active member of my community of really trying to be a good boss and leader, to be a good wife and mother, I've just realized it is imperative that I take care of myself. Like it is imperative that I am in a good emotional, physical, spiritual place because when I'm functioning outside of that, it's not good, you know, Um, (laughs) and I can't be all that I need to be or who I need to be if I'm not taking care of myself. Like Mm -hmm. I can tell when I'm really tired and I haven't been sleeping well or haven't been eating well, like the type of leader I am. I'm more, I'm short. I just can't think clearly, you know, Mm -hmm. all of those different things. So it can keep you from being able to engage with your community in a meaningful way. Mm. if you're not taking care of yourself. And so for me, kind of coming to that realization has just been really huge because I'm just like, instead of it feeling like a suggestion or like a nice thing to do, if I can find the time, it's become like, no, this has to be, it's just as important as looking at my profit and loss statements, or it's just as important as being active in the diversity committee at my kid's school so Mm -hmm. that I'm, you know, sure that there are equitable practices. Like none of that stuff happens if I'm not Mm. taking care of myself. Um, So that's how I kind of see those two things as being like intertwined with each other.
Oh my gosh, it is. I love that so much. So I read on um, the Instagram that you guys have, which is just lovely. It makes me want to buy all the things. <laughs> There's a quote from you that says, every day I get to see social and economic justice done through the sale of the beautiful pieces our artists and partners make. In times like these, when everything feels so heavy, I feel hopeful when I'm placing an order for a product that honors the work of women and the BIPOC makers all over the world in order to introduce you to them. Can you talk a little bit more about the social justice and economic justice of what you're doing and how you are supporting these indigenous Black people of color makers all over the world. Yes, that is the part of my job I think I love the most. So a great example is like our face mask. We order them from a co-op of women in Guatemala. I'm a woman named Maria. And so we got to meet Maria last year. We took our whole family on a trip to Guatemala, which is so fun, like getting the kids involved in this whole process and really letting them see the importance of being connected to the way things are made and how they're made. But we met Maria and Shayla. Maria is the president over um, a co-op of women that helps support 33 families in this little tiny village in <laughs> Guatemala called San Juan La Laguna. And um, so we meet her love her product. So we've been working with her since last year. But then, you know, you imagine something like COVID hits. Right. And for a lot of us, we've all felt the pain of it. But imagine if you live in a little tiny village in Guatemala, and now tourism is gone, you know, so people who would most likely come and just walk in your store and shop, like all of that's gone. So it was amazing for us to be able to order from them and to, or I mean, we have probably sold four or 500 face masks, wow. <laughs> all coming from Maria's co-op you know, and to have that symbiotic relationship. Like, I think, you know, love WhatsApp. That's how we communicate. And it's hilarious because I don't even speak Spanish. And so I'm always like translating everything <laughs> <laughs> into Google Translate. And But she was like, thank you for helping us. And I was like, no, no, no. I was like, we're helping each other. Like, this is symbiotic mm, yes, yes. relationship because I'm like, you guys are creating beautiful product that we get to carry in our store and kind of be a platform. So I love the empowerment that through even a pandemic, we're able to bring funds and money to little tiny communities in a tiny country. So there's that, but there's also like you said earlier, like an intentionality to everything that we do. So we are always looking at how can we be a platform for historically marginalized people. So we are very intentional to curate from Black makers. We have a whole section <laughs> literally on our website for BIPOC makers because we go out and we seek them and they're a part of our community and um, we're getting to introduce people 
to these makers for the first time. You know, like we took a family trip right before the kids started school. We went to New Mexico, but we were intentional on going to New Mexico because I'm like, oh my gosh, the indigenous art there is just like amazing. And this will be a great opportunity for us to meet some native makers and kind of see the process. And because I was just like, who has access to native art? Like in Atlanta, Mm, you know, where we are, you know, and no one. And so I was like, how cool is it for us to be able to bring that back and bring back that story. And so we did, we were able to meet with a native make two and two women. And it's, it's so cool. Cause with Angie, we literally got to like sit in her backyard and watch as she fired her pottery pieces. Like, and you know, my kids are sitting around and she's teaching them about like Micah's clay, which is the clay that they use. That's only found like in New Mexico. She mines her own, clay like they literally go up to the mountains and dig it like themselves it's just so beautiful to then bring back her pieces and then just put them on a platform to say hey world this is freaking amazing this is who this person is and just to create another platform for an amazing native artist that you know some people otherwise maybe hadn't heard of. And so, yeah, and just doing that on so many different platforms with all of the different makers. And I think that there's an aspect of justice to that because oftentimes those voices are oppressed. I would say going to New Mexico was actually triggering to me as a Black woman. And I was like, what is going on? And I just realized I was seeing the systems of oppression that happened to Native art. I would encourage any of your listeners just to kind of look at that like it's all filtered through galleries that are typically owned by white men and so it all being filtered through this one way makes it very inaccessible to the average person and even Angie would tell us like I would sell two pieces in one day and the gallery owner would be upset with me because they want everything to feel exclusive so they don't want you to sell too much because then it looks like you anybody know, can get it. Yeah, anybody can get it. Anybody can make it. But what that's doing is it's oppressing those artists exactly. and that voice. And exactly. everything is filtered through just a white gaze. Yeah. So it's just like trying to break through some of those systems so that we can make things more accessible to people. So it's been really, really cool. And I feel very thankful that Mm -hmm. it's my job, (laughs) you know? Um, So, yeah. So before we wrap up, I would love to ask you one last question. What do you tell your children about legacy, equity, and sustainability? Oh, God. (laughs) Oh, that is such a big big question. You know, I think that a perspective of equity first starts from a position of dignity and teaching our kids to see everyone through the lens of dignity. And so getting to like expose them to people who live very differently than us, but showing the beauty and the dignity of the way that they live and and the way we live and just letting them hear those stories and then counter that and never putting it in a we're better or they're worse or, you know, again, I think that symbiotic relationship is so important where it's not about necessarily like I do this for you because you need me 
but really, again, being connected to each other. As humans, why wouldn't I want you to be treated the same way I am? Like if I see you through a lens of dignity and I honor what you do and who you are and your culture, I would hope that my kids would just be like, well, duh, as Mm -hmm. I have. So yeah, we talk about that, but we also talk about like the realities that equity does not exist. So how do we use our voices to stand up for people? What does protest look like? And I just think having those hard, real conversations so that they just kind of step into the world with their eyes open, but feeling empowered that they can make a change is just really important. So my husband owns a video production company and he works with a lot of cause-based organizations. So I just love that our kids are going to see, oh, our parents are trying to make a difference in the world, but we're doing it in very different ways. And I think that it would give them a vision that anyone can try to make a world a better place and just find what you're passionate about and go with that, but be intentional that Mm -hmm. everything, you know, that your work doesn't have to be separate from your passion. And I heard somebody say once, like, life work balance is a myth, that it's all about integration. Mm. So how can you like integrate your passion, your mission, you know, the change you desire to see in the world? How can you integrate all of those things in with your work, in with what you do? And so we really hope that We're giving our kids just a lifelong vision of having an impact in the world in the way that they can and and saying it doesn't look a set way. You can choose that path, but that essentially that's what we're on this earth for, you know, is to, to love each other, to be connected to each other and to make a change and to take what is imperfect and just make it a little bit better. Thanks for listening to the show today. Please rate, subscribe, and review. Also, feel free to share with a friend. We love having our community grow. Music is by DC's own Kokai. The Hey Girl podcast is produced by Wayne Bertram and me, Alex L.